0: Welcome to Living For Him Podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart subscribe for future episodes and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy! A few years ago there was this prank video that went out and it was basically a funeral setting. Okay, And basically what happened is there were people, loved ones, friends, and maybe colleagues coming to pay respects to this man who had apparently died and so they're all coming in. It's an open casket funeral and he's laying there open casket and two people come in. It's a couple, a man and a woman. And they walk in and they go to the casket to pay their respects. Now, as they're paying their respects and talking softly to one another, the man slowly rises up out of the casket and then turns to look at the couple. Now, as he's turning to look at the couple, the guy in the couple takes his girlfriend and pushes her forward, screams at the top of his lungs, and takes out running out of that chapel. I get it was a prank, the guy wasn't actually dead, but the reality is that girlfriend was not finding that funny at all at the end of the day. Why? Because when push came to shove, when put in a crisis situation, her boyfriend's uh, reaction in that moment, his, his default mode in that moment, was to be loyal to himself and not to protecting her. And I want you to understand that whenever we find ourselves in these type of crisis, decisive moments that press us to make a decision, whatever our default mode is, is going to surface. Whatever our loyalty is in that moment is going to come and manifest itself. And this is the situation that the three Hebrew boys that we often refer to as three Hebrew boys, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew young men, find themselves in in Daniel chapter 3. on the plain of Dura. And here it is that in the empire of Babylon, their government leader, their king, King Nebuchadnezzar, has an ego towering up into the heavens. I mean, he is the ultimate epitome of a government leader who has the hugest narcissistic bent that we see probably in all of scripture. This king Knowing that God in Daniel chapter 2, the previous chapter, gives him a dream by his grace and mercy to communicate to him the secession of nations that will come after his reign, after his kingdom falls, the several other nations that will come and ultimately will be crushed and replaced by the kingdom of God that will last forever. And he knows according to the dream that God gave him, that Daniel communicated and interpreted for him in Daniel chapter 2, the head of that image in the dream was him, was his kingdom. It was all gold. But then came the rest of the metals and the secession of nations in that dream, letting him know that his nation would not last forever. Well, after a period of time, he must have thought about it and decided, you know what? I'm going to challenge that notion. I'm going to challenge what God communicated through that dream and vision. I'm going to build an image of myself. See, the king represented his kingdom. And so the king puts together this 90-foot tall image of himself, 9 feet wide, all gold. Now I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar's physique actually looked like historically. But I guarantee you that when he made that image, it was looking muscular. It was looking powerful. It was looking imposing. It was ripped. The muscles were just coming out of everywhere, right? But maybe he didn't quite look that in shape. And he has this erected, number one, communicating that he is opposed to the vision of the secession of nations. He wants to basically say, God, what you said, I'm going to override as if he could. He's also, it's also revealing here, this image that he is now operating against God, in place of God and against God. Because he's saying by the head, by, by, by instead of the head of gold, but the whole image being of gold from head to toe, he's communicating that his kingdom will not be seceded by other kingdoms, including the kingdom of God. No, his kingdom, he's saying, is the one that's going to last forever. His human kingdom on earth is what he is implying here will last forever. His word, his act, against God's. He is challenging, he is rebelling against the will and the prophetic, providential wisdom of God. And here we find the three Hebrew boys thrust into this situation. I want you to follow me now. Get the scene in your mind there on the plain of Dura. All of the satraps, the Bible says, all of the government leaders, all of the administrators, all of the the representatives and officials of high rank all throughout the empire of the then-known world, the Babylonian empire, are invited, RSVP, most important person, right? Come to this event. If this was happening in the 21st century right now, this would be covered by every news outlet, every news network, every cable channel. Uh, Everybody would be focused in on this event. The paparazzi, the camera flashes, the reporters, right? the interviews, all would have been happening. Social media, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, all of it. YouTube, it would be covered everywhere. Everybody would be watching. The people that were there on looking, the people that maybe actually be there representing different parts of the empire would be there with their cell phones, kind of capturing some of it, taking pictures, doing selfies, right? It was that kind of a high profile event. And watch this, these three followers of Yahweh, friends of Daniel, are there. They're in the midst. They're they're interwoven within the culture. And they're brought there for the dedication and more of this image of gold. As soon as they get there, they notice that there is a huge section for the musicians. Because in Daniel 3, repeated over and over again, is the scene, is the, the musicianship, is the different types of instruments that were being used and that were about to play. And it's doing this intentionally. It wants you to know that this thing has big ceremony. It's pomp and circumstance. It's grandiose. It's over the top. King Nebuchadnezzar wants to make sure that shock and awe and wonder is all there as people are ushered in to this experience with this statue. Now, it's it's important for me to pause here for a moment and talk about these instruments that play music to lead these people into this experience. Because some would want to think that the actual instruments themselves, because they're being played by Babylonians, and they're being played for the worship of this idol, as we're about to discover, that somehow the instruments themselves are either holy or unholy. And and it's important for us to take note here that these instruments are just that. They are instruments. They're tools. They're mediums through which worship is about to, to ensue. The issue is not the instruments. The issue is not even the music that the instruments play. The the issue here is that these instruments that are used to play music are directing people to worship that which is not God, that which is not Yahweh. It's it's being used to draw people's minds and hearts away from loyalty to God, away from loyalty to, to Yahweh. And so we need to understand, how do we know this biblically? Many of these same instruments in Daniel 3 are used in the worship of Yahweh, in the worship of God, in the temple, in Jerusalem. So the issue is not the instruments. We need to understand that as we we look at music in our 21st century culture, okay? And we look at instrumentation, particularly when it comes to the worship of God. Instruments are neutral. They're just used to either bring us closer to God Or to bring us further away from him. All right, so watch this. All of this instrumentation, all this music, and then someone steps forward on behalf of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they say that King Nebuchadnezzar has issued a decree. This is a legal proclamation, a law, that at the sound of the music, when you hear the record play. When you hear the music play, everybody under the sound of his voice that is present there, whether they want to or not, whether they're inspired to or not, whether they're actually dedicated and loyal from a heart level to this image, which represents King Nebuchadnezzar and his empire, Babylon, whether they really want to or not, they are commanded to worship and not just to worship, but to worship at the threat of their lives. Because if they don't worship, they're going to be killed. They're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Oh, the issue, the stakes are very high. And everybody's there to witness this. It's all on camera. If this was in the 21st century context, it's very visible. So whatever you do, whoever you are there, it's going to be noticeable on a large scale. It's not in a small room where people can kind of pretend like it didn't happen. No, everybody's watching. And everybody, the moment the music plays, everybody bows down to worship an image of a king that was so narcissistic that he is insecure. He has to force people to demonstrate their loyalty because he wants to ensure his kingdom will last forever. Everyone does this except Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Because in that moment of crisis, their true loyalty was revealed. You see, when we find ourselves, like we are now in a global pandemic, several crises in our nation and the world multiplying and mounting one on top of the other, and in many parts of the world and in our own individual lives, we may already find ourselves right now in a series of crises that call for us to make a decision, that call for us to make a choice. And every crisis brings to the surface where our loyalty actually is. And this is the case for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so right now in your life, what decisions are right now being presented to you in a global crisis that we find ourselves in with COVID-19, or personal, more individual life crises? What, what, what type of choices are you? do you find yourself being thrust upon to make? Because the truth of the matter is, whatever we really are loyal to at a heart level is going to surface, if it hasn't already. And when our loyalty to Christ and His kingdom When our loyalty to Christ and his kingdom is tested by a crisis, how do we ensure that we will stand in that moment? How do we ensure that we will stand loyal to the king and his kingdom? I believe that our journey today in Daniel chapter 3, the Holy Spirit will help us Get our hearts and minds around what that looks like for us. Because I believe just before us is a final crisis. The Bible is very clear. You want to take Daniel 3 and you want to go all the way over to what we just talked about recently this past weekend, this past Sabbath, Saturday. Um, In the series, America, how did we get here? We looked at Revelation chapter 13. Daniel 3 is what John the Revelator, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has in his mind. As he is writing, what we have is Revelation 13. So come with me real quick, because the scene only gets more intense. It's noticed that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego remain standing. The Bible says that certain Chaldeans, in verse 8, certain Chaldeans or Babylonians, take note that these three Hebrew young men did not bow down. Didn't even pretend to tie their shoelaces. They're still standing. And they go now to repeat to King Nebuchadnezzar that he issued a decree that I'm sure he wants everybody to take seriously, right, King Nebuchadnezzar? Well, apparently, watch this, these certain Chaldeans now say, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, live forever. <laughs> certain Jews have not obeyed your command, your decree. Come with me to verse number 12. Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. The Bible says this. They're speaking now, being tattletales here. And they say, there are certain Jews whom you, Nebuchadnezzar, have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O oh, king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. It makes me wonder if many of us are put in that same type of situation. Many of, you, many of you could probably testify that you have. If you were to be questioned, if you were to be accused like Daniel's friends here are being accused of being loyal, to the real king of the universe. Would you be found guilty of being loyal to King Jesus? Daniel's friends, his three Hebrew friends, are accused because of their loyalty to Yahweh. Now it's interesting that they're being accused of not being loyal to the earthly Babylonian king, King Nebuchadnezzar. This actually is not true. This is actually a misrepresentation of them. Because they've actually demonstrated, even by by virtue of the actual positions they held in the empire of Babylon, that they had been loyal to King Nebuchadnezzar. They demonstrated that already. They had already given service to the king. They've already shown themselves to be wise men qualified enough to be promoted, particularly after the incident there in Daniel 2 with the dream. And so they've shown themselves to be loyal to King Nebuchadnezzar. Up until this moment, a line had to be drawn. A line that by drawing that line, by remaining standing, they were subverting the influence that Nebuchadnezzar wanted to have that day. And so it's interesting now for us to understand that the kind of loyalty that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had was a subversive loyalty. It's the same kind of loyalty that we're called to have as followers of Jesus. When you're living in the way of the exile, as we saw in the video, you're called to live within a culture that has government, that has laws. And to the extent that it doesn't cross the line with the laws and the principles and the teachings of the kingdom of God revealed in Scripture, revealed in Christ, then we're to be loyal to the systems as corrupt and as fallen, as imperfect as they are, to the extent that it does not compromise conscience and loyalty to Christ and his kingdom. And so how do we remain standing? Well, understand that they were subversively loyal because their loyalty was ultimately to the king, not King Nebuchadnezzar, to Yahweh, to God. And so, what this reveals to us is that when you're loyal to the King, to Christ, and his kingdom, you stand out because you keep standing. I want to say it again. When you're loyal to Christ and his kingdom, you stand out because you keep standing. They stood out because they kept standing. It reminds me of my wife. Deidre, who was on a trip to her school, her alma mater, Academy of Art University in San Francisco. She was doing online uh, school. this was the time where they all come together in the summertime for a period of time. It was about a week or so. And they do some courses and they take some trips. One of the places she got to go, I'm I'm slightly jealous, pray for me, is that she got to go to Facebook and actually experience what that was like there. And while she's on this trip, it's a professional trip. It's an academic trip. She's making friends. She has a roommate that she really hits it off with really, really well. They have a few things in common, as we're about to see. And they all get invited to go out with some friends, some other classmates, to a restaurant, to go just hang out, to have some food, right? Just to have some conversation, just enjoy a good time. Well, they go out. My wife goes, right? And when she goes, some of them start to order drinks. And when it comes time for Deidre and her roommate to order alcoholic beverages, they stand out because they actually chose to have water. Now, when that happened, some of them threw them some shade. Some of them said some things that were a little bit kind of like kind of jarring at them because, oh, you're not going to get no you're not going to get no uh, alcohol. What are you like a goody just kind of a thing? And so she kind of flipped it around on its head, made it something light hearted and funny and said, hey, I don't need no alcohol to have a good time. I got my water right here. Hey, All right. But the reality is that she stood out because she kept standing she didn't just decide to not have alcohol in that moment. That was something that she and her friend had been doing for a while because her friend, though not a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, her friend was a Muslim, a practicing Muslim. And this is something that we have in common. Keeping in line with the teachings in the Old Testament scriptures, we actually believe not as a a means of salvation, but we actually believe that God just knows how our bodies function because he made it. And so he actually believes that but that having alcohol is not the best thing for our bodies and for our minds and for our relationships so in, in keeping in harmony with that teaching they found they had something in common and they both stood out because they kept standing it was something that they had already been doing something that they had already had as a practice in their lives and so when that moment came they just kept standing they kept doing what they had always been doing you need to understand that these three boys these three Hebrew young men, they stood out because they were certain Jews. You see, the label of being a Jew, which meant that you were from the tribe of Judah, which is a part of the nation and kingdom of Israel, these Jews in exile stood out because they had that label, they had that name, they understood what that meant, the people that were non-Jews around them in the culture. They understood that they followed Yahweh that he claimed, according to them, to be the only one true God. And so therefore, they stood out because they were Jews from a spiritual, religious standpoint. But understand that because they were Jews coming from the tribe of Judah, that they also stood out because this didn't just have religious or spiritual connotation to it, it also had ethnic connotation to it. Being Jew was an ethnicity. It was... It was a group of people, it was a people group. And so this kind of complicates things because for those of us that are not a part of a part of the dominant, maybe eurocentric culture, standing out just as a follower of Jesus Christ, Is enough one? That's just one aspect of what we often stand out because of. But that gets even more complicated when we stand out because we're also African American. We're a person of color. We're black and brown. We're we're, we're Mexican. We're we're Indian. We're from some other place. We're an immigrant, right? We stand out because of some ethnic uh, distinctive, as well as being a follower of Jesus Christ, right? And so there's an an additional experience for those of us that may find ourselves in marginalized groups, minorities, okay? And so they're standing out in spite of the fact that they have the double whammy, that it's a religious and it is also a ethnic reality that causes them to stand out. But they also stand out because they're also involved. They're not reclused, right? They're not kind of pulling back they're in the culture they've been standing while within the culture they're serving within the government of that culture that dominant culture that oppressive system they work in the system but they're different they've already taken stands on their food on diet on their health. They've already taken stands when it came to praying for wisdom that God would reveal to them what the dream meant and what it was. And by virtue of God giving them that that, that interpretation and the dream, it saved the lives of the other wise men, if you will, of the Babylonian empire. They should have been grateful. It makes you wonder if there was some jealousy going on here, that these certain Chaldeans just wanted to get these guys out of the way so they could have their position. It could be that their very lives were spared because of these three Hebrew boys. And so kind of like, wow, thanks, right? But they're in the culture. They're involved and they've been standing. So they stand out. They're not like, kind of like, let's withdraw from being involved in the world. They're in it, but they're different. They're unique in the midst of it. They're immersed in the culture, and they still stand out. Their loyalty is being revealed here to Yahweh and his eternal kingdom. They're showing their loyalty goes far beyond a fallen, earthly, government leader who is narcissistic. Their loyalty is not to a party. Their loyalty is not to a government system. Their loyalty is to the King of kings and the Lord of all lords, the ruler of heaven and earth of our lives. And I believe God is calling us to stand out because we keep standing. We need to be in this world, but not of this world. We need to influence this world for the kingdom of Jesus Christ and not the other way around. We need to be salt and light. We are living in end time, Babylon, according to the Bible, and particularly in the book of Revelation. We're in that moment that this story was actually pointing forward to. We're in that time right now as I'm speaking to you, and our loyalties are being challenged. in, In the crises that we're facing that's leading ultimately to a final crisis on this planet, our loyalties are being tested. Because ultimately, our ultimate loyalty is going to be revealed. And now is the time to take a stand. As a matter of fact, now is the time to keep standing. They stood out, not because they were weird. Like they were different. They were peculiar. They stood out in an attractive way. Not in a weird, peculiar meaning withdrawn and weird and awkward. No. The way that they stood out was noticeable, but it was noticeable in a way that draws people, that that pricks their, that pricks their curiosity in a way that they go, I want what, what, what they have. Even to the death, they were willing to stand out because they kept standing. Now somebody's listening to this. Someone's listening to this right now, I get it. And you're going, look, CJ, I'm not that good of a Christian. I don't even know what that means, but I get what people mean when they say that. Look, I haven't always been standing perfectly. I've fallen short. Matter of fact, before I watched this, I fell. I fell into sin. I was tempted, and I fell short of God's standard of righteousness and holiness. Well, guess what? All of us can lift our hands there. Everybody on the planet has fallen short of the glory of God. The difference is you have a Savior. You receive the grace of Jesus Christ. Keep standing. Get back up. You can get back up and keep standing. The point is that you don't stay down. Look, they did not actually stand up, these three Hebrew boys. They kept standing. Everybody else bowed down and stayed down. You don't stay down when you fall into sin. If you fall, get back up. Stand up. Christ's grace is sufficient for you. Don't remain on the ground. Don't remain in your mess. Don't remain in your sin stand up, keep standing. His grace is sufficient for you. We are to come out of the ways of Babylon, but we're also supposed to reach Babylon. And you can reach Babylon with a testimony that, yes, I've stumbled, but when I fell, I got back up again. Like the song says, we fall down, but we get up. The Bible says that a righteous man, listen, a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up again. Don't you stay down. Don't you dare stay down. You get up. You keep fighting the good fight of faith. It's faith in the righteousness of your own righteousness? No, in the righteousness of Christ. He has given you his righteousness as a gift. And then now, as you have that position in Christ, you're considered righteous by virtue of the cross. The Holy Spirit now enters into your life and begins to work out righteousness and grow you into spiritual maturity as you keep standing. But you keep standing. Don't you stay on that ground. Get back up. I want to tell you there's hope for you. Stand out. You will continue to stand out if you keep standing. Don't stay down. Get up. And you will stand out because Christ stands for those who stand for him. He stood for you, you stand for him. You love him because he first loved you and you revealed it at the cross. Come on somebody, stand out because you keep standing. I wanna pray with you, Father, bless those that are watching right now. Give them the faith and the courage to stand right now because you need people to stand for the King and his kingdom. Help them now to take the next step that they need to take as followers of Jesus, so that they stand out for the glory of your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm CJ Cousins. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Living for Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins and I'm living for him.